If you are looking to elevate your leadership and drive your nonprofit forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits newsletter. Every week, I curate exclusive shareworthy content that sparks inspiration, innovation, and conversation. From the latest trends to timeless advice, the weekly email newsletter is your all-access pass to a treasure trove of resources. But receiving the newsletter is not just about staying informed. It's also about getting our best content first. Subscribers get first access to our newest downloadable templates designed to propel your leadership and amplify your impact. And that's not all, my friend. We are constantly working on new ways to support you and your mission. So as a subscriber, you'll get updates on our latest projects, opportunities to participate in surveys, and a say in the topics that we tackle next. You will essentially get me as a consultant, coach, and confidant in your inbox, ready to help you navigate the challenges of nonprofit leadership. So if you're an executive director, board chair, or a nonprofit leader who believes in making a difference, join me as a newsletter subscriber. Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Bonus Break. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg. The Bonus Break is a short episode you can listen to while taking a coffee break and get the added bonus of making you and your nonprofit more successful. Produced as a companion to our longer Successful Nonprofits podcast, the Bonus Break covers all of the topics you care most about, professional development, fundraising, governance, board relations, marketing, tech, and more. Today's Bonus Break is the fourth installment of a multi-part series about strategic planning. This series is based on a lunch and learn that I presented last month, and I am breaking the lunchtime presentation into a bunch of Bonus Break-sized podcasts. At first I said six or seven, Now I, then I started saying eight or nine, now I'm just saying a bunch. We'll see how many we end up with. So far in the series, we have covered determining whether you even need a strategic plan, because guess what? Not every organization does. Assessing whether your organization is ready to begin planning if you decide that you do need one. And then once you actually start the planning process, we've talked about already conducting an environmental scan for your organization. And in the last episode, we discussed designing high-impact statements for your mission, vision, and core values. For each of the bonus breaks in this series, we are also creating a blog post with lots of bonus material. Now, this includes things like a list of great mission statements, a tool for interviewing key stakeholders, and, of course, assessment quizzes to determine if you actually need a plan and if you're ready to plan. The two most recent bonus breaks in this series have outlined a great deal of work that must be done, specifically done to conduct your environmental scan and also to design strong mission statement, vision statement, and core values that will guide both your planning and your organization. But at the end of that episode, we asked the question, who does all of this work? Today, we're going to take a step back and talk about the workers in this process. In the participatory strategic planning model that I use, we typically have a work group that is composed of four to five board members, 
a couple of community leaders, the executive director, and maybe one other staff member. Of course, in this model, a consultant helps facilitate that group. Now, the best work groups have 7 to 10 members. Now, that's the ideal number because it is large enough to ensure that no member becomes overburdened with work, but small enough to still make core decisions easily. So let's unpack the responsibilities of these 7 to 10 workgroup members and discuss the best way to recruit them. Workgroup members are responsible for doing the heavy lifting of the strategic planning process. Specifically, they interview key stakeholders, write summaries and briefs, analyze high-level information, review documents developed by others, and stay in touch with the group between meetings. Now, once the environmental scan is complete, the work group then presents this environmental scan to the board at a full board retreat. And then, of course, they get the board's feedback, and then typically um, they will return uh, back to the work group and really work on incorporating that feedback into the final plan. Um, And then, of course, they take that final plan to the board for final approval. To keep the process moving forward, the work group will typically meet biweekly, And sometimes they meet in person, sometimes by phone or Skype, and typically they meet from as little as 45 minutes or meetings as long as 90 minutes. I'm sometimes asked, how do you know whether it's right for the work group to meet in person or by phone? And how do you know whether a 45-minute meeting is right or a 90-minute meeting is the best suited for a work group? And it really depends on two things. The first is the culture of the organization. Some organizations really do a great job at having engaged and active phone or Skype meetings, while others function best when they meet in person. And in my experience, the phone meetings and the Skype meetings can be a little bit shorter, often 45 or 60 minutes, but the in-person meetings typically take a little bit more time, and so then you're looking at about 90 minutes. Now, in recruiting your workgroup members, it is important to identify people who have a knowledge in your specific programs, the communities that are served, they understand interview techniques, fundraising, data, and accounting. But guess what? You are not going to find one person with all of those skills. And that is one of the many reasons why you will have 7 to 10 people on your workgroup. So across the spectrum of those 7 to 10, you need someone that fills each of those niches, that has knowledge of your programs, that understands the community is served, that understands interviewing techniques, fundraising, data analysis, and accounting. Keeping in mind that every workgroup member does not have to have expertise in each of those areas, there are three things that every workgroup member must have. And the first is they must be passionate about the organization and its mission. If they don't bring that passion, then they're not going to make a great workgroup member. They also have to have the bandwidth to devote one to three hours a week for homework between meetings. And keeping in mind that on weeks when there's meetings, maybe they only have one or two hours of homework. But on weeks when there's not meetings, they probably will have two or three hours of homework. Again, things like interviewing stakeholders, reviewing high-level documents, maybe crunching some numbers, those types of things. And the last skill set that every workgroup member must have is they must be computer literate, which in this day and age means they know how to use Microsoft Office, Google Docs, and web-based programs. 
Since 60 to 75% of the workgroup will be current board members, there are two approaches to recruiting your board members for the workgroup. The first approach is to broadly ask. Throw it open in a meeting or send it out by email. Just ask, who wants to volunteer for the workgroup? Here's what it entails. Who wants to do it? Sometimes this results in a great workgroup, but sometimes this also creates a workgroup with people who are not fully effective in the planning process. And for this reason, I typically recommend an alternate approach, and that is to brainstorm the board members who would make good workgroup participants and ask them individually. Typically, that brainstorm is done with the executive director and the executive committee or the executive director and the co-chairs or chair of the board. Now, to identify the community leaders who can serve on the work group, look for people who can be productive and effective members, keeping in mind that this is a great way to test out a prospective board member. So if you might think someone might be a great board member next year, get them involved in the strategic planning process now. And then when you're ready to approach them about board service, they will feel a much deeper investment in the direction the organization is going. When you're looking at community leaders, though, be certain to avoid those who may have a conflict of interest in serving. If, for example, your landlord has skills that you need and is passionate about your organization, she should still not help shape your strategic direction because she may have a vested interest in you staying as a tenant. If there is a leader of another nonprofit organization that maybe you partner with a lot, but, you know, you go after the same funding, the same communities, there might be a conflict of interest there, too. You might not want that other community organization leader to serve on the work group. Now, I'm also often asked if staff other than the executive director should serve on the work group. And I always tell my clients that this should be the executive director's decision. The director can always ask a staff member to work on specific projects or make a presentation for the work group, but the executive director should also always be the one who determines the work and the tasks that are assigned to staff. When approaching your prospective work group members, whether you're approaching a board member or a community member, I always suggest providing a one-page summary of the responsibilities. And it kind of lays out what we just talked about. So here's the time commitment. Here are the skill sets that we need. Here are the types of tasks that you are going to be doing. At the Successful Nonprofits blog, I have linked a sample one-page summary that will be useful for approaching prospective workgroup members. So be sure to check out the blog. You can download the one-page summary. It's a PDF, um, and it's kind of a full color. It's the kind of thing that you would feel really comfortable handing to a major donor or someone else not on your board who you might want to serve on the workgroup. Now that we have a better understanding of the workgroup and who does all of this work, we will turn our attention back to the planning process in next week's bonus break. Specifically, we are going to discuss how to create the initial strategy and recommendations for board consideration. The bonus break and the successful nonprofits podcast is produced by the Goldenberg Group as part of our mission to provide board development, strategic planning, and interim leadership to help nonprofits thrive in a competitive environment. Be sure to visit our podcast website, SuccessfulNonprofits.com, or find me, Dolph Goldenberg, at SuccessfulNonprofits.com, GoldenbergGroup.com, on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. 
And if you think your organization is ready to begin strategic planning, reach out to me. I am currently booking new engagements for the spring, and this is a great time to get on my consulting calendar. Thanks for joining us for this bonus break, and I hope you gain some insight to help your nonprofit thrive in a competitive environment. I am not an accountant or attorney, and neither I nor the Goldberg Group provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. This material has been provided for informational purposes only, is not intended to provide, and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or accounting advice. Always consult a qualified, licensed professional about such matters.